0: This is Around the Rim with Lachina Robinson.
1: Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right, your ESPNW women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim, coming to you with a new episode. I am your host, Lachina Robinson, joined by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. Now, Tarika, I have a quick question for you. Um, I saw you refer to yourself as terry on social media is that what we should be calling you absolutely not it's twitter does not have enough characters for me to spell out my entire name so oh. in order for me to put my entire last name foster brasby because i don't want them kind of problems at home i got to shorten up the first name <laughs> girl you better get that man's you better okay. get your husband's <laughs> name in there. i don't
2: want them kind of problems <laughs>
1: Okay, good. I needed to clarify that because, uh, I saw that and I was like, should I be calling her Terry? By the way, we want to send a congratulations to Tarika, who is now a published author. Congratulations on that. Um, fans, if you're not following her at She knows sports underscore, please make sure you do that. Now, um, we have a major, major show and a lot to get to, uh, today. FYI. Because this is our 1000 win episode. That's right. Women's College Basketball just added two members to the 1,000-win club. That's right. Gina Auriemma and Sylvia Hatchell have both joined Mike Krzyzewski on the men's side, who was the only men's college basketball coach to reach 1,000 wins. And, of course, the great, late Pat Summit and Tar Vanderveer. So there are five members. We had two join on the same night, Tarika. That is so bananas. we have, isn't that crazy? That's right. This, I, I might, you know what, when you start looking at like special numbers and things like that, I, I'm marking the calendar because December 19th, there's got to be something special about that day. Right. I'm thinking if I'm Gino, right. And this is me starting stuff. Cause that's what I like to do. Start stuff. If I'm Gino, I'm thinking maybe I should have scheduled my game at noon. Right. I could have been first. <laughs> so he could have been first. I know. I know. And, the, and, and fans don't get don't get it twisted. Sylvia did accomplish her feat first earlier in the day, and then Gino um, against Oklahoma later in the evening. So I know y'all get technical about those kind of things, right? <laughs> but long story short, we have a great great show. Um, joining us on the show today, we will actually have Sylvia Hatchell on the show. We will also have two. UNC legends joining us, Ivory Latta and Sylvia Crawley uh, bringing us some perspective on, on their college coach. Then we also have Sue Bird and Swin Cash, two UConn legends joining the show, who will give us some perspective on Gino Auriemma and Chris Daly's feet. We'll talk about Chris Daly, too, because she's been shooting with him in the gym. She's been with him in the gym. out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, with that, Tarika, I think we should just go ahead and get started. Let's jump into the first quarter. First quarter. Well, Around the Rim fans, we are so, so honored to now have joining the show none other than newly minted 1,000 win head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, Sylvia Hatchell. Welcome to the show, Coach Hatchell. Thank
3: you. It's my honor to be on with you.
1: Well, you played grambling yesterday at 2 o'clock, and it was a victory, and that signaled the 1,000th win of your career. I know it hasn't even, it's barely been 24 hours uh, since that game tipped, but since you've had a little time to just reflect, what has the last 24 hours been like for you?
3: Well, um, it's been great. It really has. Uh, You know, I I don't get too, you know, high with the wins and too down with the loss, especially when you've played a wild-wark belt. Thirteen, fourteen hundred 1,400 games so uh but it's been really good a lot of reflection I've seen a lot of people that have been so important to me and my uh, 43 years of of coaching and uh, you know that just brought back a lot of great memories my phone has just absolutely blown up with uh (laughs) texts and emails and uh I mean, you know, it's but it's been really really fun because of of the relationships that I've had with people and and the battles that I've gone through, you know, uh uh through my career, you know. So, but it has been really really rewarding and more than anything else to, to to renew and see people and hear from them because success at anything it's about relationships.
1: It's definitely about relationships. Now, Coach, you have the distinction of being the only coach who has won a national championship at the AIAW level, the NAIA level, and the NCAA. Take us back to just the early influences for you, how you got into coaching, um, and the early days of Coach Sylvia Hatchell. Well, uh, I mean, I
3: love basketball. I have ever since I was a child. uh, I used to be the only girl on the playground. It was all boys out, you know, on the playground, and I was the only girl, and, you know, and it was all pickup. So you had to be pretty good, or you just sit on the side and watch. So, uh, and I was left-handed, so, you know, I got to be where I could make a pretty good left-handed jump shot, and, uh, or a bank shot, really. So, uh, but I just, I just loved it. And, uh, in high school, i take my free period, and, and go in the gym and shoot, and just get any chance I got to be involved with basketball, and, then when I went to college, I played at Carson Newman, and then uh, on the graduate school at the University of Tennessee, and that's when I, you know, Pat and I were the same age, and we went in together. And uh, you know, our assistantship, she coached the varsity, and and I coached the JV, and uh, we both taught classes and everything. So Pat and I, you know, right away, we played against each other because she was at UT Martin and I was at Carson Newman, and then, uh, you know, we coached together and was in graduate school together and, and, and formed a very, very deep, uh, bonding, uh, friendship that, you know, lasted until, you know, uh, through the, to the end of her life just, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. So, uh, but anyway, then, uh, you know, at Tennessee, I just loved it. And, but actually my senior year at Carson Newman, I coached the middle school team. I was a senior playing basketball, but the middle school and, and Tennessee that uh, needed a seventh and eighth grade girls uh, coach, so I coached that team. Their games were on different nights and hours, and they adjusted practices for me. So I, I coached that. That was three on three, and I, I, we had a really good year. Uh, and I had three kids make all conference, and I, I was hooked after that. And I just, I just loved it. Uh, and like I said, they went into to Tennessee, and then after that, I got the job at Francis Marion. I was twenty-three years old as a head coach. And I had a player that was actually older than I was, so. uh, But but just you know the opportunity at Francis Mary was tremendous, and uh, we were AIAW, and I had some really really good players, and uh, we you know I was there eleven years, and you know we won uh, two national championships and AIAW, and then an uh, uh, NAI national championship, and so uh, and then I got the opportunity at. Uh, North Carolina but USA basketball I was very involved with that Pat, Pat helped me get involved with USA basketball it started in 82 I guess and I've coached every team the USA has and uh, won a lot of gold medals so you know I've had tremendous opportunities and then coming to North Carolina and you know have, it took me a while to, to build it and get things going but you know then we won the eight the 94 national championship and you know we've had uh gosh I think eight eight or nine ACC championships and some final Fours and stuff like that uh, but everything's not always been you know rosy all the way through you know you have ups and downs especially when you go different levels and you know you you uh you know you go through life really so uh, I remember one year I had mono and then, uh, of course my son was born uh, on january the twenty fourth twenty nine years ago whenever on the day we played NC State, I remember Kate gave me a <laughs> Kay, Kay gave me a uh, uh, a baby uh, gift, and then uh, then she beat me because <laughs> I, I was still <laughs> in the hospital because he he had just been born. He had just been born uh, like three hours before the uh, before the game, and so I went on the sideline. That's uh, that was the only game I had ever missed until uh, until I got uh, leukemia four years ago. So. Uh, you know, and, and, but things have been, you know, up and down. And then I got, um, uh, you know, when I got sick, uh, with leukemia four and a half years ago, but now I'm 100% healthy and completely cured. Uh, you know, I went through the worst kind of leukemia you could have and, but I beat it and I'm 100% and like I said, I'm healthy as can be. Uh, and that really, really makes you tough. Let me tell you what now. <laughs> I feel like I can, I can win. I can be anything now. And then, of course, we went through the NCAA stuff, which now is over. And, you know, there was allegations came out, but, you know, there were no penalties. But it took a, a long time to go through that. And, you know, we lost some players because of that. So, uh, you know, I told someone earlier today that, you know, um, I didn't create the mess, but the mess created me. So, you know, I had to deal with it. But it, it's over. All that's over. And the future is tremendously bright. I'm so excited because I love my young team, and you know we've got good recruits, and uh, I think the future looks really, really great. And I'm, I'm excited about getting this team back to, you know, we're used to being top ten in the country. We're used to that, and we were until, you know, the NCAA allegations came out. And so now that all that's over, I'm, I'm anxious to get this team back to, to where, where where North Carolina, you know, is used to being.
1: Well, Coach, I just love your competitive spirit. I mean, it doesn't matter if, if you won your last game, you lost your last game, even watching your battle that you mentioned uh with leukemia and just all of the challenges that you face, which we all do over the course of our lives. You just have this competitiveness, this, this, this will. How, where did that develop? Was that family influence? Was that like, where did you just get this never die competitive mentality?
3: Well, it's probably from my family. Uh, my mother was Scotch Irish. My dad was German, but, uh, you know, I've just always been extremely competitive. I am not a good loser and I hope I never become one, but, uh, you know, I just always, whatever I was doing, you know, I wanted to win and I was so competitive. And, uh, you know, as a child, I was like that. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I remember when I was just really, really young, I, my grandparents lived next door and I played checkers all the time with my grandfather. And I came home one time and I was upset, mad, crying and everything. My mother said, what was wrong? And it was her dad and my grandfather. And so, you know, she got on him for not letting me win. And he said, Oh, no, no, I don't ever let her win. He said, she's got to learn how to lose. So, uh, but I, I've never got, I've never gotten good at losing. Uh, and I hope I never do, but, but I just always <laughs> love to compete. You know, I, I'm driving down the road, you know, there would be six lanes of traffic, and if there's, you know, whatever the shortest lane is, I switch lanes, you know, because I always want to be out front, I always want to get, you know, and 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 I am. I'm just I'm probably too competitive to be honest with you, because, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I have to back, back myself off a little bit and realize, hey, you know what, uh, just you need to calm down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But that's okay. That's okay. But I but I love yeah. it. You know, and I am. Competitive, but I think you know, the last few years with China, I've you know, I I cherish the opportunity to coach, and especially at UNC. But uh, you know, the lessons that I've been able to learn and also to instill in my players over the years, but especially the last few years, you know, uh, especially battling with through leukemia and coming out on the other end, uh, and you know, being as being healthy and beating uh, a really you know, bad type of leukemia, That that's really taught me a lot, but it's also taught a lot of people around me uh, different things. And then, uh, you know, going through the NCAA, you know, again, I renewed how much I love the university, but also uh, teaching my players about, uh, you know, uh, perseverance, about trust, about patience, about uh, kindness, about doing the right thing, treating people the right way. Uh, you know, di- different things like that. I mean, I could have thrown people on the bus if I wanted to, but you know, I, I would not ne- I wouldn't ever do that. You know, uh, you know. But I just tried to to treat others the way I want to be treated, and you know, just do the right thing and work hard. And I- I've al- often said, you know, I focus on my purpose, not my problems. You know, and I feel like mm-hmm. every day I've got a tremendous purpose, and I just try to focus on that. You know, and and you know, and say, hey, there are no problems. You know, so uh, you know that that's sort of what keeps me going each and every day.
1: I hear you, Coach. Well, before I let you go, you know, listening to you reflect on your relationship with Pat Summit, obviously. Uh, you know, Kay Yao as well, you have great friendships and coaching, and it seems like you guys had this, you know, even thinking about Betty Janes and going back to some of the great people that have, have left and contribute to our game, but we still have you and, and and Vivian Stringer and so many others that have built the foundation of the game. We have a lot of young coaches that listen to our podcast. If there was just one piece of advice that you could offer them, so it's, say they want to coach 43 years, you know, you'll still be coaching beyond <laughs> this, so so could be 50. Um, if they want to coach 50 years in their career, what would you tell them is the number one thing to remember?
3: That success is about relationships. It's not about whether it's your, your team, your coaching staff, your home, your business, your church, your family, whatever. But success is about relationships. And to treat people the way you want to be treated. Sometimes I I, I look, I mean, I think, Okay, if I was a player, would I want to be coached by me? You know, and sometimes I think, well, you know what? And when you think about that, you know, sometimes you 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 know look at how you're making decisions or how you're doing things and you know like that. So, uh, but I just try to treat other people the way I want to be treated, and uh, you know, just again remember that relationships, uh success is about relationships, and to always to do the right thing. You know, I've had some situations where. You know, uh, I mean, I have either lost a player or, uh, you know, situation hasn't gone, you know, how I wanted to just because I said, I'm not going to break rules. I'm going to do things the right way. You know, uh, you know, this is too much in a a gray area. I I don't, I don't do that. I've been coaching too long. I'm not going to do, do anything like that, you know, so follow the rules, do the right thing. And, uh, you know, just remember to, uh, Every day, challenge, uh, cherish the opportunities that you have. And it's not just about winning games. You know, it's about winning life and teaching your players all those qualities and characteristics to win off the court as much as on the court.
1: Well, we see that playing in day in and day out, you know, just even thinking about a recent article about Charlotte Smith or watching what Ivory Latta is doing with her book or, you know, Sylvia Crawley and the ambassador she's been or, you know, just watching the fight of a Jessica Breeland. It's so obvious that, you know, you have had an impact on these women and and they they show that same relentlessness, that same desire and passion for the game, but also, um, for life that you have. And many of us, including myself, I was very inspired, you know, being able to cover your games and, and to watch you through the process of, of your leukemia healing because, I mean, you were just so strong and had so much belief in the fact that you were going to be healed. I mean, it was, it was such an inspiration coach. And so it goes far beyond basketball, but today we celebrate your 1,000th wins and, uh, we're looking forward to a thousand more. You think you can do, you can do hey, that? I'm not finished. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm so fired up now. I mean, now
3: that this Cincinnati thing is over and, you know, I feel great and, you know, I love my team. I mean, the future
1: is great and exciting, and I cannot wait. Well, thank you so much, Coach. We are looking forward to it as well. Give our best to the Tar Heels, and we will be watching you as we get ready to start ACC season soon.
3: All right. It's an honor and privilege to
1: talk to you, girl. we Thank you for all you do for women's basketball. Thank you, Coach. appreciate that so much. You have a wonderful day, and congrats again. Thank you.
4: Second quarter. Well, I think about what great people they were. Cause Pat and I were very close. We were in school together at Tennessee and we, we were together off the court so much doing other things besides basketball. But I wouldn't be where I'm at doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for Pat. Pat was just unbelievable. And Mike Shashesky and I, even though he's at Duke, we don't let a lot of people know this, but we're pretty good buddies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we stay in touch with each other and, you know, they're just wonderful people and they just love the game. You know, they, they, they're tough, they're disciplinarians, but they just love the game and, and love people and, and all. And, and Tara, I know Tara, you know, well too. I mean, anytime when you've been coaching this long, you know, you, you've played against those people, but more than anything else, just, you know, how they, they just want to help and bless other people and, and, and they love this great game of basketball. Uh, Oh, man, that's just like when I was inducted in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm thinking, no, I mean, this is just incredible. You know, I mean, it, you just that's a, a person's dream, you know, is to, to be in the Hall of Fame. But then to, to win a thousand games. But, you know, it doesn't happen without all the great players that you've had, yeah. the coaches that you've had. You know, I mean, that's what it's all about is, is relationships.
1: Well, that was the voice of head coach Sylvia Hatchell, um, the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, as you know. And she was mentioning members of the 1000 win club that she joined just yesterday. It is now Sylvia Hatchell, Gina Oriema, Tara Vanderveer, Mike Szeszewski, and the great Pat Summit. And joining us right now on the show to reflect on coach Hatchell's career too. UNC legends that's right we have two UNC legends join me in welcoming Ivory Latta and Sylvia Crawley welcome to the show guys thank you for having us Latina thank you (laughs) hey Ivory with with the Ivory (laughs) energy so we heard coach Hatchell talk about relationships and she is so big on that I mean and when you go to Chapel Hill she's like the mayor the president like Everyone loves her. She knows everyone by first name. Like, how have you guys over time seen her just really become this iconic person, not only in basketball, but really representing North Carolina?
5: Let me just say, and I, I really can attest to this, she travels in a minivan, and it's packed full of posters and Carolina T-shirts and keychains and basketballs and posters and schedule cards, and she just rides around town and she passes them out. You know, people let her park in their parking space. She's like, "Here's a keychain for you. Happy Merry Christmas, buddy." You know, <laughs> or I mean, there's times where I'm trying to get work done, and she's like, "Coach Charlie, come on, it's lunch time. You got to eat sometimes." We're going over to the hospital. Somebody over here getting chemotherapy. We're going to sing some Christmas carols soon. And I'm like, "What?" Who are these people? Why is this buddy of mine? Like, some people she don't know. Some people she do know. But she's always promoting our program. She's always doing little acts of kindness, um, especially if anybody's sick. You know, she's there to encourage them, sit with them while they get their treatment. Um, so that's why people love her. You know, that that's her way of building relationships. Um, her love language is physical touch and gifts, I believe. And so she does that every single day with her players, with her staff, with people around the community.
1: Ivory, I want to ask you this because you left a note on on a picture of Coach Hatchell and you said <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me. You said the best thing. She is the best yeah. thing that's ever happened to you. Why is that?
2: Oh, she, she pretty much took a a, a really small-town kid from McConnell, South Carolina, and she just she turned me into – to be real, she turned me into a super, superstar that I am today. I mean, the stuff that she instilled on me when I was at Carolina, and the main thing was just to never give up. I mean, I can just remember me getting beat up at practice. You know, I came into college 115 pounds, so I used to get thrown everywhere, and I just know – I just remember getting knocked down on the floor, and I looked right at her, and she said, don't you get up. She's like, "Don't, don't ever give up. Get up and keep fighting. And so since then, I've always taken that with me, you know, on the court, but also off the court, and – I mean, without her, I'm just blessed to have her in my life still today, and it's definitely been an honor.
1: You know, when you look at the course of her career, what what has been just so amazing to me is the the high level of success. So she's won national championships at three different levels: AIAW, NAIa, and the NCAA. But she's able to connect with all generations, right? What, what have you guys, how does she do that? You know, like, how is she still recruiting top classes now the way she was, you know, Sylvia, back when you played and even before that? Like, how is she able to just stay so relevant?
5: I, I think it's because um, I, I watch her with um, our players now and, He just allows them to have fun. She allows them to be who they are. We we have one player by the name of Jalen Murray, and this kid is the funniest player I have ever (laughs) encountered since Ivory Latta. And, you know, there's times where she's joking at an inappropriate time, and I'm like, oh, Coach is going to get her right now. You know, not the place, not the time. But, you know, she's very patient with them. She lets them, I mean, when we play, we play hard. When it's time to work, we got to roll up our sleeves. She is, I mean, it's tough love on them. But off the court, when it's time to play, I mean, she she will spare no expense to let them have the the best time. I mean, she's going to let them jet ski, and she's taking them to different kind of concerts and stuff, and so, I think, you know, she just, no matter what generation it is, she allows them to be who they are, allows them to have fun. She understands that the times are changing and she has to change with the times. And, and I mean, and it may be a slow progress in terms of how she's dressing and what she's doing in terms of changing, but she allows the program to evolve and the players to be who they are, no matter what um generation it is. And, um, So, I mean, I've been watching very closely to see how she's been able to do this, you know, with a generation IY is what I call them, you know. And I've been there to kind of bridge the gap between them and her. Um, But she does a fantastic job. I mean, they can go, go to her at any time, go to her office. And they're half scared to go talk to her because she's, like, iconic, you know. And this is the mm-hmm. generation of social media where it's about fame and stars. And so they see her as, like, a superstar almost. And I'm like, you know, you can go talk to Coach Hatchel and just ask them for permission to go ride back with your parents, you know. And they're, they're scared to mm-hmm. death. But, you know, they love her and she just, um, you know, when they go talk to her, they realize, like, Oh, wow, you can go talk to her. She is very <laughs> humble person, you know. And so I, I think her secret is just she allows kids to be who they are. She let Ivory be, you know, the emotional energizer bunny that she was. She let she let Elena Larkins be like the tough kind of in-your-face leader, you know, and her, her language may have been a little bit different, but she had to allow her to be who she was and lead the way she led. And so she did the same way with me. And I really appreciate that about her as, as one of her former players and now staff members.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to watch that dynamic develop because, you know, she, I can remember Carolina basketball, like just the style even. Right. So players and Ivory, you can reflect on this. Like, Wanted to play that up-tempo style, right, up and down. I mean, you guys would I, – I mean, I played, obviously, against Carolina teams. I I, I would play against the days of the Coretta Browns, and I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was – I don't even want to talk about Jackie Higgins and uh, Barksdale and all. I don't even want to reflect on it. But the style was so fun. Ivory, what, what? – Yeah. What stood out to you just about the product that you guys put on the floor, and and how fun it's always been to watch Carolina basketball?
2: Oh, it you like you said it was fun, and like she said, she she allowed everybody to be themselves and bring out their personality. You know, just and it and to be honest, it it wasn't fun just walking the ball up the court and just waiting. It was like she all I know at practice. She's like, "We gotta score within ten seconds." We looking at her like, "Coach, what? <laughs> like, are you serious <laughs> right now? Like, good gracious!" But it, it became so. It became fun, and everybody was able to, you know, enjoy the game and 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 just be themselves out there on the court. And like she said, that's the best thing, man. She just and and you know, I know some programs. You know, you have to change who you are just to fit. Nah, she just you don't. She allows you to adapt to what's going on and. You know, I I loved it. I love playing fast. And, you know, she got criticized a lot about where your team is turning the ball over and all this. She was like, so, and we're going to continue to play fast. And I loved it. Like, she didn't care about what other people said. As long as we did what we did for her, it it was great. It was great. And she
1: never has cared about the criticism. And it's interesting when we we had her on the show right before you guys came on and – um, you know, she talked about the ups and downs of, of, of her career, whether that was, you know, her battle against leukemia or, you know, what's happened recently with some of the NCAA stuff, but she has she seems just so strong in who she is, um, as a person, as a coach. Um, just one last question for each of you. And then this one's for you, Sylvia, in those battles, in those moments, especially of some of the things she has, um, she's been through as of late. What have you learned about coach Hatchell through this, that maybe you didn't know before?
5: I uh, didn't know before. No, I mean, I, I, I knew most of it before, but, um, the biggest thing that I'm learning now is how to fight. You know, I, I had a, um, When I was a head coach at Boston College, I was diagnosed with an aneurysm on the right side of my brain. And a lot of people, I mean, I haven't really shared this story with most until now. But, um, you know, I thought I was going to die. I thought, you know, what's going to happen to my coaching career? And Coach Hatchell was one of the first people to call me up. She found the top neurologist in the country who invented a coiling technique, which is a new type of brain surgery, you know. And um, I made a tough decision to resign as head coach of Boston College and rehab, and I had to do a total change of lifestyle. The school protected me. They didn't say why I resigned. People thought I got fired. People, I mean, there were all kind of rumors, you know, but Coach Hatchell was always in my corner, and she was like, you know, you're going to beat this. And you're going to coach again. This is not the end of your life. We're going to find you a top neurologist. You know, you got you got to fight, you know. And her whole thing is like, you just put your big girl panties on and you fight. <laughs> and I, I didn't know how to fight through that. You know, I, I always said that, you know, if I, if I get sick or if, you know, if anything happens to me, I will never stand in the way of my program. You know, I just back out and mm-hmm. let those kids have a chance to succeed. And she had a different mentality when she got sick with leukemia. It wasn't, you know, just back out and lay down, you know, and and die. You know, her thing was, no, I'm going to fight this, you know, and I'm going to do everything in my power. And if I got a coach with a bald head, then so be it. If people talk about me, they just talk about me, you know. And I've never witnessed that type of fight before. I mean, she fights every – Sometimes, I'm like coach. Sometimes we got to pick and choose our battles. Now we can't fight every day, so <laughs> like every single day for our program to get another pair of shoes, a, another jacket, more parking spaces, bigger locker room. Like every day, she is fighting battles for not just our program though, for women's basketball, for for female coaches to get more jobs within women's basketball. Like that's her new fight right now. Wait till you hear about that. But. Um, it, that's the biggest thing that I've learned from her is how to fight, and the fight. Yeah, sometimes the good fight of faith. That's another mm. chapter right there. <laughs> no,
1: that's another chapter and a very good point. And you're right. I mean, her she is so passionate about women having equal access, equal rights, and don't worry, I know about her fight for women coaching women because she sent me a research packet of information to read up on it. Coach Hatchell, (laughs) I'll tell you, there's never been a time that I've seen her or walked into her or met her presence, and she hasn't had some literature for me to read, and I've learned so much from her, not only about where the game has been, but where it needs to go. Really quickly, we got to go, but Ivory... I can't imagine, like, you and Coach Hatchell together is like, I don't even know who has the more energy, <laughs> um, who's more, you know, inspiring. I mean, I I just remember those days of you playing, and they were some of the best basketball I've ever seen. You were definitely by far one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting player I've ever watched in college basketball. Now, there's got to be a story, right? There's got to oh, be, God. like, one good Coach Hatchell story that no one has heard, or that you just will never forget. It can be funny. It can be whatever. But you got to give us one good Ivory Coach Hatchel
2: story. Oh my god! Seriously, oh god, you put me on the spot. <laughs> you got no, you, you got to have at least it. one in your back you said, pocket. I, I, yeah, I said it before. This is it. Kill. It's just. It was. It's just hilarious. Like he plays that one song, "Let's Get Physical, Physical," and I'm just like what the and she played that song before every duke game and i'm telling you whenever we're out there stretching or something you can see her over there shagging and i'm just like what in <laughs> the <laughs> world is going on like she'll be over there two-stepping doing her moves and be like hey y'all hear this and we just be like oh my god this is so embarrassing <laughs> I mean, like, she, she does was, love to I, shag i don't know if fans oh like god. well everybody should know that yeah, but that "Let's Get Physical" physical control. Oh my god! Uh, uh-uh.
1: uh. Right, like Coach, this is not working for us. She does. She it. loves shagging, and boy, every game—it seems like every game I have is the shag game, right? So halftime, <laughs> like they're shagging and. She's telling me about all the championships and all the, you know, the contest and all that stuff, which is awesome because she has good balance. That's another thing that I think coaches can learn from her is that Coach Hatchell is is serious about winning on the court, but she also has a life. She has things that she loves. She has all of her Carolina blue houses, from what I understand, on the beach
0: Mm -hmm. and, you know,
1: all of these things that. She enjoys and so we're just happy that we could celebrate her and thank you to you guys for joining the show because you are the one thousand wins, not just on the court, but you're both winners as women in in playing the game and coaching the game as an author, Ivory that you are, you know, is just this is what's so great about women's basketball is to watch all these women play the game, learn lessons and then go out and be great in the world. So we're thankful for for you, too, and also for everything that Coach Hatchell has given to the game. Thank you for joining the show, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Hey, Around the Rim fans, stay right where you are because we have more great conversation around women's basketball coming up after the half. UConn Husky greats, legends, Sue Bird and Swin Cash will be joining us to put some perspective on Geno's 1,000th win. Stay where you are. We'll be back right after this.
6: (laughs) Third quarter. Coach, you had players from the UConn team back in 1985. The group of women that you got that first win with, out on the court with you after yeah. you got your 1,000th win. What did it feel like seeing them? I,
0: I was surprised that they were here. You know, I, I didn't know it, and um, and when I saw them, uh, every every face that I saw that came up, uh, it it clicked something in my uh, in my memory bank, uh, and I thought of something. That really made them unique during the time that I coached them, and uh, um, it, it, it's first time probably since they left that I've had a chance to to do that, and um, it, it made me feel made me feel really really good.
6: An incredible day for women's basketball today. Another mm-hmm. head coach, of course, Sylvia Hatchell, getting her one thousandth victory just a few hours before you were able to do it. Have you had time to reflect on how odd it is that? Two of you guys on the same day?
0: I know, I know, I know. It's um, you know, it's such a it's it's such a small uh, elite group of people that 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 are in that category, men's and women's, and um, you you really uh, you really say, wow, it's really a hard thing to do. What are the odds that you know two people will be able to reach that milestone in 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 the same day? Uh, but I've been, you know, I've, I've been a part of a lot of great celebrations and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, I hope Sylvia is celebrating and you know, the same way we are here. And, and uh, it's, it's a great time to look back.
1: That was head coach of the Yukon Huskies, Gino Auriemma, after winning his 1,000 career game. And you heard him reflect on the players that have made all this success happen, 11 national championships. We are honored to have with us on the show two Yukon Husky legends, Swin Cash and Sue Bird. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. All right. So my first question is, I'm trolling on Twitter last night, right? Everyone is, because it was a big night, and and, and you were in studio, Swin, with CBS Sports, doing a fantastic job of covering everything. But this UCLA game, what what, what was that about? <laughs> I saw a little, you know, mention of Chris Daly and, and Swin. You know, you were reflected with Sue. What happened? What is this UCLA game situation?
7: Here we go. Them, see, the bottom line is or... is that <laughs> is it, Chris Bailey could not, she just could not get through a full interview without bringing up stuff. that had nothing to do with the interview. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Like,
6: on a scale of one to ten, how mad were you? I could see you trying to keep it moving, and she was not going to move.
7: I talked over her literally, Sue, and she would not <laughs> stop telling the story. I was like, I they know, can't so. hear you, and she's still telling the story. Yeah, it was, it was, you know what, bottom line is it was definitely probably one of my biggest embarrassing moments ever. Um, but it was, it was fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it still to this day, obviously, like CD said, but make a long story short, coach Oriyama was yelling at me in the huddle about my jump shot. Don't take the shot. If you're not ready, follow through, blah, 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 blah. And that's all I had in my head. And so when we went back out there on the floor, I still was in my head as he gets in people's head. As you know, birdie, I was just still thinking about it to follow through. And so when that rebound came off, you know? As I think Sue, you tweeted it. It was like beef. I mean, it was a perfect follow through, yeah, and I perfect. just felt like. And I do remember. I think Sue, we didn't tell that part of the story. Is when he actually said to uh, Stacy Hansmeyer or Paige, "Why didn't they try to block me?" Yeah, <laughs> I think that part was. was, was <laughs> so the
1: follow through. What was this at the wrong basket? of beef, beef? balance eyes elbow follow through. She had like yeah, <laughs> like the the perfect form. <laughs> oh <laughs> so she just, so just she was doing path? it like camp the camp version oh, yeah. that's what she gave oh, y'all okay it was, okay it was, literally she held it <laughs> i'm pretty sure she held it for five seconds <laughs> this is pretty long that that is so awesome i i loved it because you know you have those moments with your teammates where you're like oh my god and y'all seem to have a lot of those moments and as gino's reflected at and as chris has reflected like there's been fun times. Like, I think everyone looks at, at UConn and like, oh my gosh, they always look so serious and they're so competitive. And yet you guys share these stories of just so many great moments. And I want to start with Chris Daly guys, you know, this is her 1000th career win as well. Cause she's been there from the beginning. What is it that you think people don't know about the impact she's had on this program? Um, well,
6: I think, you know, like you said, that this- there is like a, a seriousness that gets portrayed, um, that it's business, you know, all day, and that is that is the case. We do have fun, but I think what what separates UConn is just, you know, this this consistency and the effort, you know, and, and that gets preached to us the minute we step on campus. It's every single day in practice, and that's CD. That's CD's personality. I mean, Swin, we can tell stories, you know, all day on here about CD yelling in our ear to sprint. And you want to look at her and be like, I am sprinting. She doesn't care. She wants you to sprint harder. <laughs> right. You know, and just, and just, um, this level of, um, I don't know, she's just on point and she wants us to be on point all the time. Right. Detail Never. oriented.
7: Like everything exactly. is like, some, uh, pay attention to detail. So like, something that a coach, like, if it's, get to the line by 15 seconds and you're there and it's literally 15 and she's like, you're not there in time. And you're like, what do you mean I am here, here on time? But she's like, no, because if you're there on time, both of your feet are across the line and you don't think about stuff like that, but it's like driving home like every single day. I used to always yeah. laugh and joke and be like, she's like the itch in my middle of my back that you can't reach. Like it's just annoying and it's there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like once you get it, you're like, oh, okay. Like you feel relieved. Like I understand now why she's like that. And, um, I, I say the cultural part of, of UConn, like she, how we dressed, how we came in, how we, how we approach stuff, going to the Biggies. Remember Sue, we used to go to like the Biggies banquets or whatever and everybody has on sweatsuits and she, we'll be like, all right, why do we have to dress casual? Cause every other team's gonna have on a sweatsuit. And CD would be mm-hmm. like, well, every other team is in UConn.
0: So right. I think that's what kind
7: of really separates, separate,
1: you know, separates <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. And interestingly enough, our researcher, Riley Foreman, who is awesome, um, sent us a note. And I-, I can't confirm this, but from what I understand, Gino did miss a few games of coaching. Um yeah. six to be exact. And from what I've heard, those six victories went towards his one thousandth and Chris Ooh. was the head coach. So that's a- <laughs> Yeah. So I guess that's how the Lord. Let that right. like, Don't let them bring
6: that up. Don't let them bring that up. I know right. <laughs> he still got six more to go. Wait a minute. Um, right, right, funny. right. One of them was one of them was when we were there. He got I don't know if it yeah. counts, but he got ejected. We were in a close game and he got ejected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow.
1: It Chris had to keep, okay. And, and yeah,
6: he, yeah she, but she flawlessly stepped right in there. So
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. they were
1: saying that he missed a few games. I think the first because of his dad's passing. And uh, then okay. he may have missed a game because of a scheduling issue. He had a one-game suspension. Something happened with scheduling. But anyway, um, definitely glad we can give Chris Daly some love. Now, Gino did reach the 1,000 career win mark 50 games faster than any other coach that has done it. You guys have spent time with Gino. What is it that you've seen in terms of what motivates him, what fuels him to be, um, in my opinion, an overachiever in all situations?
7: I would just say one of the things that, that I noticed is, like, he really just thrives in people saying that you can't get something done. Like, I know that him and CD came in with this plan that they were just going to start there, build up UConn, and move on. But I think – um winning is something that's kinda contagious and you wanna continue to con- have consistency and do it and it for him when every when everyone else is like against you and it's just us against the world, um, you know, that's I, I always feel like he, he's at his best. Like he strives to be like to reach perfection knowing that you're not gonna get there, but he kinda demands it every day. So I, I mean one of the things people always ask him, well, What's the secret sauce that you And I always say, you know what? You come into practice every single day, you're, you're going to get pushed. And these aren't practices where just because you're the most talented player out there that he's going to let it, let you pass. Like he's probably going to, he's probably challenged each of the best players on the team every single year that he's been there. You know, it doesn't just, you know, some coaches only yell at some of the players and make him off the bench or, you know, focus on other things. Like if you're a star, you probably get it worse. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that too, but I mean, that's just
6: kind of what I've seen in him. Yeah, um I think the the coming to practice every day part and getting better every day, um that's a huge a huge key to his success. And and really what it's about is making the games easy, you know, trying to make practice as hard as possible, as difficult as possible, you feel like you can never win. And then when you get to the game, you know, games are games, don't get me wrong, but there is an element of, oh, like i faced seven players in practice, so five can't be too too hard. And for him also, I think <laughs> there's been like this evolution, you know, I think I'm sure, you know, I can't speak for him obviously, but I'm sure early on, he had something to prove for himself as a coach. And then, you know, as the success came, you know, each year, a little bit more, then I think it it, it kind of flip, got flipped on its head. It became more about the player. You know, now I've, I've heard quotes where he talks about, you know, listen, I've won national championships. I've been there, but has this class, has this group, has this team, has this player. And so, You know, I think as anyone who's been an athlete or a coach in any kind of competitive setting, sometimes the hardest thing is to keep your motivation high, is to keep that will going. Um, And he's found a way to kind of evolve and transform with that, and it keeps it fresh. And so each year, you know, there's there's a new problem to be solved, and that's what keeps him and CD at the top.
1: Yeah, it's so cool to like look at just even his background and the influence as you talk about someone that feels like they're never really good enough. Like, you know, when he talks about coming from Italy and just, you know, the circumstances under which he grew up and just always wanting more in this dream, it seems like he's still chasing that original dream. 11 national championships later, you know, which is just crazy. Um before we let you guys go, I have one last question for you. If you can describe coach Oriema in one word, and and I'd like this word to reflect what he has meant to you in your particular career or to your success. Just use one word to describe him and why.
6: <laughs> one word? <laughs>
1: um it think I mean that's hard.
6: One word is really difficult cuz he kind of kind of encompasses so much in terms of what he's meant. I'm I'm pretty safe in saying pretty much all of his players, what he's meant to us and, and how he's, you know, shaped who we are. But I would say motivator mainly because um, even now I joke about this when I tell stories about CD, stories about coach. Even now there are times periodically through a year where I might go back and practice. And even to this day, I'm 37. I've been on like, I can't even count how many teams. And when, when one of them gets in my ear, like, come on, Sue are you going to make a shot? It like triggers something in me that, that no <laughs> other coach, no other team, no other teammate has ever been able to do, you know, and and there's something about um, how they're able to motivate me um, that is unlike anything else.
7: I yeah, it. no, I, I
6: think exactly what, I think exactly what,
7: uh, what Sue said. I think that for me, I would say challenging, um, because I feel like he challenges you in every aspect of the game, the mental part, the physical part, kind of to get you out of your comfort zone. So even when players um, who maybe aren't as mentally tough or, or, or feel like that they have the ability to take it to that next level, that's why you kind of go to UConn because you know you're going to get pushed to do that. Um, and like Sue said, it doesn't matter whether it's the Olympic team uh, what you would say, basketball or, or Connecticut, like, he's challenging. And that's when he steps on the floor, that's what you're going to get every single time. Like, and I think that goes to the motivation part. But um, he's challenging every aspect of, of your game. And and you're always trying to, to beat him, beat kind of a challenge within the practice. And uh, for me, I think that was uh, one of the things that, that pushed me a lot.
1: Well, I will say this. I mean, UConn women's basketball, in my opinion, is amongst the most successful brands at anything. I mean, if McDonald's fries are going to be hot, UConn Huntsman <laughs> women's basketball is going to bring excellence. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we appreciate that, and and we see that in what you guys do. And, again, as you have mentioned, whether it's the Olympics, the WNBA, college basketball, um, UConn has brought it, and Chris Daly and Gina Oriema and you guys, you know, the players that have built that program, have also built up women's basketball. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time, lady. We know you're yeah, busy and kinda, all the do world, wanna, I do want to say things. one last
7: thing before we, we get out of here. I do want to say, I know both Sue and I probably, I mean, we played in the era with, you know, Coach Hatchell, and I think from both of us, like, we do want to make sure we congratulate her because that's kind of major, two to 1,000. I know she did it a different way. Uh, and maybe not as fast as Coach Ariama, but it's still a big achievement for women's basketball. So, um, you know, just want to give her love, too, and thank, and thank her for all she's done for the game.
1: Uh, we, we'll <laughs> definitely give her some love for you guys. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having
3: us. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds.
1: Well, that is it for this week's Around the Rim fans. Please remember to download us, to subscribe on the ESPN app, also on Apple Podcasts. Leave us comments, reviews. If you want to reach us on social media with your thoughts, use the hashtag Around the Rim. You can follow me. At Lachant Robinson and Tarika at She Knows Sports underscore. So we will see you next week, and thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas for those who celebrate. Happy holidays.
0: Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.